Welcome to Broadcast 1132. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience in Allen, Texas, or at church1132.com. You got your Bible this morning? If you do, grab it with me. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 13. I believe God's going to speak to you. Whether you're a first-time visitor today uh, or you come to church every single week, maybe you've never been to church, maybe you're atheist, maybe you're just sick and tired of Christianity and church is popping up on every, every street corner in Texas, but let me say something to you. Whether you're bitter at God or whether you're madly in love with him, I believe he has something for you today. And I just think sometimes we think that God can't handle where we are. I think actually God's responsible for where we are. I think God is so sovereign that he can bend even the worst places of our life. Sometimes God will show you how bad something is so he can show you how good he can make it. And some of you might be in a bad place this morning, but I, got, I want to make an, a news, uh, a news uh, announcement real quick. Warning, warning, announcement that today could be the beginning of a new season of your life. I actually believe that one encounter with God can alter the entire trajectory of your future. Some of you came today with a dead marriage, and God wanted me to tell you that he specializes in resurrecting the dead. Some of you think there's dead areas of your life, and I got good news today that God can breathe on any dead thing. It says that human beings were without, without movement, without life, and he, he breathed the breath of life into Adam, and he became a living being. This morning, some of you came to church physically alive, but spiritually dead. I'm telling you right now, one word from God will actually, it'll, it'll invest oxygen into your soul and your spirit. Can I get an amen? I feel like preaching in Allen, Texas. My gosh. If you got your Bible this morning, Matthew chapter 13, I got to get into this. I got a long way to go. Short time to get there. If, you have, if you're taking notes today, I have a title I want to talk to you about, uh, theme of my big talk this morning. If you're an uh, academic, my thesis. If you're a motivational guy, my big idea. If you're a church person, my sermon. You can write down what you like, but my talk for you this morning will be uh, every kind, every kind. I think um, I came for your building dedication, and uh, that was in the summertime. It was powerful, and God spoke to me that this is what I was supposed to invest into this church, and I came before your building was finished. I think I wrote a scripture back here somewhere on the wall, and we prayed in this room. Who was there for that? A few of you were here, there, here for that. It was powerful. And um, listen to me, I just feel like God put this on my heart because this is the type of church that you will become. And so it's a prophetic message today. It's both personal and it's both collective corporate. Is that all right? So this morning, if you have your Bible, I'm going to read eight verses out of Matthew chapter 13. It's a parable. A parable is a story that Jesus would use. Jesus often spoke in parables. Parables was Jesus talking about uh, pretty much heavenly things, but using earthly terminologies. So he talked about what everyone knew about to explain things that everybody wondered about. It's a parable. And so this morning, I want to talk to you out of Matthew chapter uh, 13. It's, uh, he actually shares seven parables in Matthew 13. I'm only going to read the last three of them, and uh, we'll pray. We'll have a good time. We'll talk for just a few minutes, and then someone in the room is going to get healed. Uh, there's some people in the room that you have issues right now uh, physiologically in your body. There's someone in here that, you, like you said, like I just mentioned, has a really, really, uh, you're in a dead place in your marriage. And there's someone in here that your grandkid is actually running from God, and right now is actually in a hostile environment. Environment. And I just feel like the Lord wanted me to tell you that, that's, listen to me, like, I don't know if you know this, but church can be like a command center. You know what's crazy? We make decisions overseas with our military, and we take out the enemy overseas by making a decision in Washington, D.C., in the Pentagon. And I just want you to know, some of you, I'm telling you right now, that what God will do in this room could actually affect your family that's not even here. 
I feel it in here this morning. Be powerful. So we're going to have fun. I like to have a good time. Amen. But it's going to be powerful. Make no mistake about it. Let's read Matthew chapter 13. Ver- familiar passage to many. It says this, uh, Christianity. Can we just talk about Christianity today? And the type of Christians uh, 1132 is going to be. Christianity is, is, again, the kingdom of heaven. Christianity is like treasure that was hidden in a field. Verse 44, chapter 13, which a man found. Say it with me. He found. He found it, and when he did, he hid it. And for the joy, notice this, that Christianity is not a Debbie Downer. It's not like I found it, and oh, man, here I go. I got to go serve the Lord. Got to move somewhere I don't have a passion for and marry someone I'm not attracted to and have a job I'm not excited about. Just have a life that I have to bear until Jesus comes back and raptures me. It says, for the joy. And a depressed Christian is an oxymoron. Because there is a joy. Come on. The joy of the Lord is our. I love being in the Bible Belt. <laughs> I would say that they just go quiet where I live. <laughs> They'd be like, joy of the Lord is what? <laughs> Bible Belt, you gotta love it. The joy over it sells all that he has, and he buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven, parable number two, is like, is like a merchant seeking. Say it with me, seeking. First guy found, the second guy sought. Beautiful pearls, and who, when he actually found one of great price, went out, sold out all that he had, and he bought that pearl. Again, last one. The kingdom of heaven, Christianity, is like It's like a dragnet. It's like a fishing net that was thrown into the ocean and gathered some, watch me now, of every kind. Every kind. You can highlight that in your Bible. uh, Dirty Bibles lead to clean lives. Can I get an amen? Which when it was full, they drew it to shore, sat down, gathered the good into vessels, threw the bad away. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come forth, separating the wicked from the just, casting the furnace of fire. There will be weeping, wailing, gnashing of teeth. Jesus said to them about the seven parables he just shared, not the ones I just read. He said, have you understood all these things? And they were from the south, so they said, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Let's pray this morning. We're going to have a good time. I just thank you for the privilege of being back at one of the great churches in America this morning. I thank you that you love Church 1132. I thank you that you have a passion that burns bright for Allen, Texas. I thank you that, Lord, uh, the church does not have a mission statement. I thank you that God's mission has a church. And I thank you this morning, Lord, that there's a mission that you have in this city. And, God, you've raised up churches like this church to be the call and the solution to, uh, to prayers that have been going up for decades and even centuries in this area. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to do what only you can do today. Meet us where we are and lead us into where you want us to be. Help us to have a good time. And I pray when it's all said and done, we'd all leave saying, look what the Lord has done. God, I love the Bible, Val. Bless this day, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. And everybody said a good old-fashioned amen. Amen, amen. Have you ever had a struggle? There's three honest people in Texas. <laughs> you ever had a struggle? I've had struggles. I think struggles. I'm not here today to preach on struggles, so praise the Lord for that. But I had struggles, and I, uh, I remember one of the great struggles. I think I can speak for the entire male population. That's a bold statement. Is I've had a struggle before of uh, the same struggle every male has pretty much between 13 years of age and younger. And this is during a different time period that we live in today. It was a time period, day and age, and an era that we actually owned home telephones. Who remembers home telephones? Okay, we, there used to be such a thing. 
And when I was growing up in the era that I was raised in, I had the same dilemma struggle that every male had under 13 years of age, is that when that phone rang, because we didn't have caller ID, it was a mystery, that when the phone rang, I was gonna answer that thing, and there was about a 99% chance that I was gonna be called Mrs. Francie. As a young man, one of the, I gotta say, one of the most demoralizing things was to answer a phone and be accused of being your mother. Now, I love my mom, still love my mom, I'm a mama's boy. But I'll be honest, it was humiliating. Like, you answer the phone and your voice isn't quite where you think it should be. Aren't you grateful that you don't know what your own voice sounds like? You ever seen yourself on a video or heard your, heard your voice? You're like, who is that weirdo? <laughs> Gosh, someone help him. Like, oh, that's me. It's kind of like when you're at the gym and you're like, man, why are you here? Go home and give up. And you're like, that's a mirror. <laughs> that's me. <laughs> it's kind of the same thing. Um. I, uh, I remember answering the phone, and I'm, there's one particular week. I have two older brothers, and one week, uh, uh, Chuck and Lucifer. And, um, <laughs> and, and I remember answering the phone. It was a mystery call. Didn't know who was there. And it was, uh, it was, my, it was my brother's teacher. And so she goes, Mrs. Francie. I'm like, oh, here we go again. I'm like, oh, no, it's Mark. <laughs> Probably sound like, no, it's Mark. <laughs> Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. <laughs> you know, uh, I... Uh, I answer the phone, and she's like, she's like, oh, I'm sorry, Mark. I, can I talk to your mother? And I'm like, yeah, go ahead. So there's parent-teacher conference that week. And so for some reason, she called uh, again like the following day, and phone rings, okay, mystery phone call, <clears throat> just kind of manning up, trying to get ready mentally, physically, you know, to answer the phone. And again, I just, hello? And, and she, same, same teacher, same context, same statement, Mrs. Francie. No, it's Mark. <laughs> demoralizing. Third day, literally three days in a row, in the same week, she calls the third day, <clears throat> didn't know who it was, answered the phone. Oh, hi, Mrs. Francie. And I'm like, still Mark. <laughs> and uh, it's crazy. I just never forget this. I, uh, it's three days in a row. And then we went to the school that, that day, the third day, got there. And I don't know if you've ever gotten a backhanded compliment. Who's ever gotten a backhanded compliment? Like, you look good for someone that's out of shape. It's like, Thanks. <laughs> you're like you're like the best looking ugly person I've met. You're like you're kind. I think. <laughs> um, I got a backhanded compliment that day. I'll never forget. I'm still t- talking about it still. I was like nine years old, and I remember coming in and she saw me. She saw my two brothers and uh, my mom goes, "This is John. You obviously know John. This is Chuck, and uh, this is this is Mark." And she she looks at me. She's like, oh. She goes, hi, Mark. She says, you don't look how you sound. You ever been angry? It's like, Lord, if you're real, fire, fuego. They're like James and John, you know what I'm saying? Like, can we call down thunder right now? Like, just take her, Lord. Um, I was upset, but... You don't look how you sound. You don't look how you sound. You don't look how you sound. I'll never forget, I think the year was like 1988, 89. I was in the pickup truck, Los Angeles, California, where I was raised. And I'm listening to the radio with my grandfather. And they, they're announcing this crazy boxing match back when boxing was at its heyday, at its highest. And they said, they said, we have a new 
heavyweight champion boxer of the world, maybe one of the greatest heavyweight boxers in history, and let's get him on. Come on right now. Come on over here. Let's interview our new heavyweight champion, Mike Tyson. Come here. Now I'm like seven years old. I hear Iron Mike. They call him Iron Mike. He doesn't sound like Iron on the phone. I don't know what happened with Mike Tyson. And by the way, media team, get ready to take this out of my message. I don't want him to discover this message someday. He'll hunt me down and kill me. But I remember hearing his voice, and I'm like, this is the new heavyweight champion of the world? He sounds, it's almost like, like he was being created in heaven, and they're like, okay, gladiator body. Superman strength. And someone, as a joke, was like, junior high voice. Female. And he went out like that. It's like, did he go out that way? That was just a joke. And uh, you hear my, I hear him on the radio, and I'm like, this guy cannot be a fierce, ferocious, heavyweight champion. He doesn't sound like a killer in the ring. But listen to me. It doesn't always, it's, it's not always what you think it sounds like. I went home, and I saw Iron Mike's fight, and I'm like, this guy does not look how he sounds. It's a good thing he doesn't work at a call center. Are you following me? People would think less of him. But you know what's crazy? Is I was growing up in an era in Southern California that, that I really had a problem with God based upon what I've heard from people. I think a lot of people, even in Texas, they think a certain thing about God based upon the way they've heard Christian, Christian churches talk about him. I'm a firm believer that what we hear will directly determine what we think about somebody. Are you following me today? For instance, if someone tells you over and over again, like, like this guy's mean, this guy's harsh, this guy's, he's a, he's a mean uncle, he's a mean father, and if that's, your, what the, that's what you heard your whole life about someone, it will directly affect the way that you go and talk to that person. And I just felt like the Lord wanted me to tell you today that growing up, one of the biggest crutches that I had when it pertained to faith was I thought that if you were going to know Jesus, you had to be a certain type of person. I thought God was only interested in like people that had good morals, good ethics. I thought God was only interested in people that dressed good, that owned hats, that had handkerchiefs that they put in the air during church services. I thought God was only interested in Republicans, or I thought God was only interested in certain political parties or Democrats. I, I thought God was only interested in conservative people or people that were like kind of maybe less educated or maybe more educated or just spiritually kind of wired or hyper-spiritual. I thought God was only interested in certain types of people. I never thought that I fit the bill of what God could be interested in. You see, I want to let you know this morning that Jesus is talking in the world of antiquity. This world, listen to me, we think we live in crazy days. I want to let you know that when the Bible was written, it makes what's going on today in our world look pretty watered down. We think that we have divides and chasms in America, and I think if you do watch the news, you'd probably be more under the impression that we're the divided states of America than the United States of America. But I want to let you know that, listen to me, what God did then, he will do now. What did he do then, Mark? Well, you know what Jesus did as he comes on the scene? He starts talking in parables. Everyone listening to him. You have Jews there. You have Greeks there. You have, you have Romans there. You have, uh, you have all these different population groups. And I want to let you know that we think sometimes there's divides in America. The world of the Bible, the world of antiquity, was more divided then, by far, than it is now. 
And I love this because Jesus comes on the scene. He's like, you know what Christianity is like? It's kind of like treasure hidden in the field, man found, and for the joy over it, sold all that he had, bought the field. It's kind of like, it's kind of like, it's kind of like uh, a merchant seeking out costly pearls. And when he finds the pearls, he sells all that he has, found the pearl, sells all that he has, buys that pearl. And you know what, you know what Christianity is like? It's kind of like a fisherman throwing a massive net into the ocean. And it doesn't just catch certain types of fish. You have no idea. Listen to me. We think today like, yeah, I guess God's kind of for everybody. In this world, it was, this was mind-boggling. You see, in the, in, the, in, the, in the ancient world, Greeks believed there was two types of people. There was two major chasms in the Greek culture. There was the chasm in the Greek culture between the slave and the free man. In Greek culture, uh, being a slave was more than just an economic or social distinction. It was a fundamental difference. The second chasm in Greek culture was the difference between Greeks and barbarians. Greeks believed back then, if you didn't speak Greek, that you were kind of less of a human being than the rest of us. So Greeks looked down on other people that were not Greeks. In the Roman culture, it was pretty simple. There was pretty much one divide. There was Roman citizens, and then there was everybody else. Romans thought, if you're Roman, you got it. If you're not Roman, we don't have time for you. But you know what's crazy? The, the, the most divided culture in the Bible was the Jewish culture by far. In Jewish culture in this day and age, I'm going to understand the context here, there was four major divides in Jewish culture. The first divide was between Jew and Gentile. When the Bible was written, listen to me, Jews believed that the only people that God cared about on the earth was Jews. They thought God doesn't have the time of day. He doesn't care about Romans, J Greeks. He doesn't care about anybody else. He only likes us. Can you imagine how that would shape your framework going to work? And you're working with people that don't look like you or talk your language? And you have an attitude like they are less, they are less important than I am because I'm God's chosen. I think if we're not careful, some of these ancient mindsets sneak back into the church. And I love this because Jews thought, you know what, you're either a Jew or you're a Gentile. God only cares about Jews. We look down on all other races. This is the mindset, the first one. The second divide in Jewish culture was the divide between man versus woman. Now, ladies, I need you to get excited today. Because listen to me, there has never been someone that lived that gave more liberty, power, empowerment, especially religiously, in history, than Jesus Christ. We are where we are today because of Jesus. How could you say such a thing? Because listen to me, in Bible days, not only did women not have the right to vote, broadly speaking, women were despised. So much so in Bible days, like men would love their mothers and their sisters, but they would be refused, rabbis especially, would refuse to be seen in public with their moms and their sisters. It was a common prayer of, of Jews that they would actually pray in Bible days. They'd say, God, thank you that I'm not a slave. God, thank you that I'm not a Gentile. And thank you that I'm not a woman. This was the mindset of that day and age. They believed that women did not have, they didn't have a voice in, in culture. And so Jesus shows up on the scene. And by the way, some of you think the Bible's not a real book. Let me prove to you why it is. One simple truth. That if you're writing a fictional book, you do not give glory and credit to a, a, a female gender that has no respect in culture. For instance, it says, that, listen, who, who wrote the book? Men wrote the book, for the most part. Yeah, it's men. And so when these authors write, and females funded Jesus' ministry. When you're telling a fake story, you don't make your gender look bad. When you're telling a story, women couldn't testify in the court of law. 
So why do they say that the first people to see Jesus after he rose from the dead was women? If you're writing a fake book, you spare these details. I feel like preaching a little bit today. And the reason, listen, sometimes preachers preach so shallow. Listen to me, the depth of the scripture is far beyond anything we can see. Like the reason why Martha got mad at Mary wasn't because she needed help cleaning dishes. She got mad at Mary because Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus. Listen to me. You only sat at the feet of Jesus. You'd only sit at the feet of a rabbi because they knew in that society that if a rabbi thought you could sit at their feet, they believed that you could become like they are. So when Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus, Martha's like, what are you doing, Mary? We're a woman. We're women. We can't sit at the feet of a rabbi. We're not good enough for that. And Jesus comes on the scene and says, as I am, so you will be in the world. This is powerful. Jesus comes on the scene and he gives power to women. And there was a divide in culture between males and females. The third divide was those that keep the law in the Jewish world and those that didn't keep the law. And in Texas, we probably have a similar divide. It's like you say you're a Christian, but you live like you're not a Christian. They would call, Jews would call people that didn't obey the law, that were Jews, people of the land. And literally, it was such a hostility between law-keeping Jews, and is this okay to teach a little bit? Law-keeping Jews and non-law-keeping Jews, that, that if you owned a business, you would not do business with a Jew that did not keep the law. If you were starving to death, you would not accept food from a Jew that did not keep the law. Good Jews did not associate with Jews that did not keep the law. They were people of the land. And the fourth divide, and I'm almost finished this morning, was the divide between good people and bad people. They believe, that, you know what's crazy? Most of the parables we read in the Bible, we don't know this, Jesus isn't pulling things out of thin air. Most of the time what he was doing is he was taking phrases that everyone was familiar with and turning them right side up. Like we've heard the scripture, this is gonna sound a little bit familiar to you. There was a common uh, uh, Jewish saying that said this, there is joy in heaven over one sinner that gets what he deserves and gets punishment. So Jesus comes on the scene, he says, there is joy in heaven over one sinner that gives his life to the Lord. He takes what everyone heard and he flips it right side up. In Jewish culture, they believe that there's good people and there's bad people. God loves the good and he hates the bad. And I wanna let you know, friend, that yeah, God is a God of wrath. Or God, God is a God that has wrath only because God is love. Hear me clearly today, because I know some of you have got weird theology with this. As many of you think, well, Mark, God is just angry. He's sitting on his throne. He's sharpening lightning bolts as we speak. He wants to hurt me for the bad things that I've done. Listen to me. All of God's anger, he put on Jesus 2,000 years ago. Every time he wants to get angry now, he remembers what he did then. And some of you are like, well, how could a good God get angry? Just like that. <laughs> Annoyed myself right there. How could a good God get angry? I want to let you know, because wrath is actually proof of love. I actually believe that wrath is the shadow of love. Let me prove it to you. If someone broke into your house and you're a loving person, any loving people in the room? I'm talking fast this morning, so I got a long way to go. I got a short time to get there. If you're a loving person, listen to me, someone breaks into your house, man, and actually beats your wife up and hurts your kids and breaks your flat screen TV. No, he didn't. Spray paints on your walls. Listen to me. You don't come home and say, oh, there you are. Bring it in. I'm getting angry thinking about that idea. 
You know why? Because I love my family. It literally makes me angry that someone would literally uh, like desecrate and someone would try to vandalize what I love. You know why God had wrath? Because literally the devil came on the scene and began to vandalize God's creation. And when he took advantage of his kids, God experienced an emotion, wrath. Wrath is not what God is. Wrath is what God, what God would, would express sometimes because God is love. God has wrath, but God is, are you following me, love. Sorry, I'm teaching a little bit this morning. I believe this this morning that many of you need to know that God is not angry with you. Every time you deserve to be punished, he remembers Jesus. That's why sin should only remind us of the goodness of grace. <sighs> Modern day barriers in our society today is people think that some people are too broken to be, to be uh, candidates for the grace of God. You know, some of us think that we've been in the church for a long time. We think, oh man, that person's irreclaimable. They've made too many bad decisions. Let me just make this personal to all of us Americans. We think some candidates are too irreclaimable. I just want to let you know today that sometimes when things get really weird and bad, it gets so weird and bad that it can only be God. And I want to, let, I just want to, I want to suggest to you, I had a vision, God gave me this vision about three weeks ago, that literally God showed me that the Oval Office has been a habitation of sin in the past, but God spoke to me that where sin abound, grace will abound even more. And he wanted me to remind some Christians, even in Texas, that he is the guy that actually called the greatest terrorist of his day. He was the God that called Saul of Tarsus to be the greatest ambassador of Christianity in his era. Listen to me. If we would have had a righteous candidate, fully righteous, get elected, you know what would have happened? Is he would have took the nation from good and it might have got better and there wouldn't have been very much credit given to God. But if God can turn the heart of someone that maybe isn't as righteous as we would like, let me say something to you. All the eyes of the world will declare only God could change the heart of someone that started there and ended up there. Can I get an amen from somebody? Listen to me. You know what I think the problem is in the church is when we have worldviews that require zero faith. Can I just let you know that if we just believe well, that America's going to hell and everything's falling apart and God's going to come back and rescue the church and we're all going to get bloody noses from the devil and we're going to live in the caves and we're just going to have to homeschool and we're going to have to like... If all we believe is that we survive until Jesus comes back, my problem with this theology is it requires zero faith. For without faith it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that God is... And that God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. I think sometimes we bless the very things that God, or curse the things that God wants to bless. I think that we should have faith going into this election that God could change the heart of whoever wins. Is it, are you hearing me this morning? I, you know, I'm praying, I'm praying this. I don't care who wins. I'm praying this. God, if you could change Saul's heart. Now, we don't, we don't realize the magnitude. Here. That would be like Osama bin Laden or Saddam Hussein turning into one of the greatest pastors on the earth. That is the context here. So if God could do that 2,000 years ago with Saul, make him Paul, what could God do with Hillary or with Trump or whoever else wins? That's impossible, Mark. Why? Because you have the same mindset. They're too irreclaimable. I want to let you know that the world throws broken people away, but God collects them. He collects them. He puts people back together again. Some people say, Mark, there's divides in America today. There are. There's, there's divides of people that think that are too far gone. There's racial divides. And I just want to hit on this real quick. 
is I want to let you know that in heaven, it will be every color under the sun. And if you have a problem with races now, you're not going to like heaven very much. And personally, I want to actually worship with the African choir in heaven because they will sound the best. Let it be known. There's racial divides in our day and age. There's, there's, there's divides between people that are too far gone. And there's a lot of people in the room that say, Mark, God can't really use me, know me. I can't be close to God because I'm not the right personality type. I spent 18 years of my life believing a lie that God was only for some types of people. Jesus comes on the scene. He says, you know what Christianity's like? There's two groups of people in the room today. And this is where I land. And the, someone come up and play the keys. Is the first group is, uh, is he comes on the scene as he says, uh, Christianity is for people, literally, that were in a field doing their daily normal routine, just digging a hole in the field, digging a hole in the field. And all of a sudden, on a normal day, when we weren't expecting anything great, what's that? You know what I believe? That there's two types of people in the room. There's those that came to church today and you weren't looking for God, but God was looking for you. It says that he found it. It was an accidental discovery. I'm convinced that every Christian that's a Christian today falls into one of these two categories. You were either the person that wasn't looking for God, but on a normal, average Sunday, what's that? And we start cleaning up and we pull it out. That's treasure. I got to sell everything that I've got. I got to get, I, I need to sell out for this treasure. Christianity, friends, for some, was an accidental discovery. I tell my friends in California that I grew up with, I was pretty popular, cool, good looking. I like to preach myself sometimes. Come on. Call those things that are not as though they are. Come on. I, uh, I, uh, I grew up in California, and I had a lot of friends and a lot of influence down there. And when I became a Christian and moved to Idaho away from everybody that I knew, they all thought I lost my mind. They're like, Mark, did you, how did you get religion, man? And I said, I wasn't looking for God. I didn't wake up one morning saying, I'm such a sinner. Let me say this to you. It's not, we don't need to know how bad we are to come to Jesus. We need to know how good he is. That's what draws us to him. And I told my friends this. I didn't wake up one day and get religion. I had one encounter with God that I was not looking for. Some of you today, you weren't looking for a miracle, but God's miracle is here for you. Some of you didn't think that an average Sunday morning could change the trajectory of your life, and today is going to be an accidental discovery. Some of you, you're going to be able to remember this day. Not remember me, you're going to remember what God did this day. That was the day that he healed our son. That was the day our marriage turned around. That was the day our finances got back on track. That was the day the miracle started happening in our life. Listen to me. You weren't looking for it today, but God is looking for you. I made a decision before I came to church this morning that if you didn't bring any faith, I wasn't going to meet you where you were. I brought extra faith for some of you today. Because I believe some of you didn't realize, like, it's a normal day at church. I'm going to raise my hand, sing three songs, maybe give some money, maybe not. And then I'll just leave and go home the same. And God says today will be an accidental, phenomenal discovery. And the second group of Christians in the world are those that maybe... You weren't accidentally bumping into Jesus. You were intentionally seeking him. See, the second group of people are those that actually, like the merchant ship, went out to seek pearls. I was seeking truth. And I was at church in Allen, Texas, with heavy questions and with a broken heart. And with a, I, was, I had it all together on the outside, but internally I was broken. And I knew that I was going to wake up and go to church today because I needed answers for the deep enigmas in my heart. And I want to let you know today 
that whether you're accidentally discovering God or you came today intentionally hunting God, God has something for both people today. And he makes the point of this. This is the church that this will be. Christianity, let it be stated for the record, is not for certain personality types. It's not for certain backgrounds. It's not for certain social economic people groups. It's not just for the down and outs. It's for the up and outs. It's for the in and outs. Come on, who loves in and out? I believe this this morning. You got to know this, friend, that Christianity is not for certain people. It's for every kind of person. It's for the skeptic. It's for the cynic. It's for the broken. It's for the, it's for the user, the addict. It's for those that are, have it all put together and those that have lost everything. And I'm sick and tired of Christianity. Church people, we get this mindset that God can only use certain types. God says, listen to me, Christianity is about as random as throwing a net into the water, and you're going to pull up some of everything. You're going to catch fish. You're going to catch bottles. You're going to catch trash. You're going to catch, listen, you're going to catch all, you're going to catch big fish, small fish, bass, uh, tuna. You're going to catch sea bass. You're going to catch, uh, you're going to catch all these different, lobster are going to be in there, stingrays, barracuda. When you throw it in, you, you don't choose. You know what the gospel does? It's thrown into society. All I'm here today to do is throw the net. And when preachers throw the net, God will actually catch different types of people. And I want to let you know today that you are not outside of the population of God's heart. God wanted me to tell you this is going to be a church that, that catches those that are seeking God with all of their heart. And this is going to be a church that catches those that aren't even looking for God. This is going to be an every kind kind of church. Can I get an amen? I feel it in here today. This church is going to catch atheists. This church is going to catch critics. It's going to catch cynics. It's going to catch people that are oppressed and possessed. This church is going to catch warlocks. It's going to catch witches. It's going to catch those that are down and those that are up and everyone in between. I want to let you know today, friend, that you're not here because you're a member that you have rights. I think sometimes in church we should change the terminology that we're not members that have rights. We are owners that have responsibilities. And our responsibility, friend, is actually to take ownership for every kind of person that's in our life. I believe in small groups. I believe in meeting coffee shops. But I also believe that we should never neglect meeting together corporately. And I'm unapologetic about this. The easiest way for mass amount of people to come to Jesus is by just bringing them to church. You'll lead people to the Lord downtown, evangelists standing on soapbox, absolutely. But make no mistake about it, the easiest way for people to encounter God is by coming to gatherings just like this one. Would you stand to your feet? Thanks for listening. You can find out more about us at church1132.com.